Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a wild, wild season overall. It's not done yet. It's going to take some time to reflect on it just briefly, just the regular season itself. I mean, who would have thought that we'd be here? Our very own Daniel Rodriguez put out a tweet not too long ago, uh, I guess last night or this morning, asking, you know, when do you think that you realize this Marlins team could make the postseason for me? Like, it never truly hit me until, like, the last few weeks. Like, oh, man, they're about to do this. Even when they were 14 games over 500, it still, like, never really hit me. I haven't gotten to watch every single game live, but I've, in some way I've gone back and watched, like, rewatches and stuff, seen every single pitch, and still it didn't really dawn on me until last night with the celebrations that, you know, the Marlins are going to the postseason, and it's going to be for real this time. You can make your arguments about 2020 if it was real or not. I mean, they, they were there. No one was there to watch them. I'm wearing a Marlins 2020 postseason hoodie as we speak. But it's just overall wild, wild ride. Something that I had mentioned privately amongst our staff yesterday that I did want to bring up at the top of the space was just how incredible this trade deadline was and how much it truly meant to the team. There's not a lot of teams that actually make enough moves at the trade deadline to get themselves over that final hump, to get themselves that push that they need to get into the postseason and a lot of us I bring pretty much all of us on the staff especially Eli and myself I think us two are maybe the most critical about hey this team has some very very bad roster deficiencies and they absolutely need to improve this right now or they're not going to make the postseason the only thing that they didn't add that I still wish they did add was the starter but they they blew my expectations out of the water otherwise got Josh Bell who was an offseason target for a very very long time it felt like we've been asking for Josh Bell to come to Miami for such a long time. It's still surreal that he actually is in Miami and brought him back to life. The resurgence there got rid of Gene Segura in the process. Also brought in Jake Berger. It, it is absolutely nuts to me that the, the Marlins were able to pull this off at this deadline, make the roster moves they needed to. That's all I kind of wanted to say at the top of the show, just because I, I didn't really talk all that much last night in the spaces. I'm sure most of you guys were listening. Uh, I know I had this weekly show. Alex Carver was having himself quite the night. Eli was bringing in people left and right. That that was a fun celebration to listen to. Here we are, week after the last time we spoke in this state of fish mindset. Let's go ahead and do a week in review. Wildest week of Marlins baseball ever? Maybe. So much ups and downs. Uh, you got to play the doubleheader Wednesday. Uh, split that Thursday. What happened Thursday? I mean, dear Lord, that is just the most 
emotions I've been through in one single day. I think it was like midnight, and we were talking amongst our staff privately, like, hey, do, or do we actually think this game is going to get resumed? Never did. Don't expect it to. Now, yeah, and not to hold on to that too much now that we can kind of, it's water under the bridge, or it's, I guess it's water, like water over water the field. That game was delayed during still in the nine o'clock hour, like before 10 p.m. And it was pretty evident early on that there was going to be no window to play and how frustrating that was. Um, understanding that there was no didn't make they were they felt that they couldn't play through it. There's going to be no chance to resume it. And the concerns, of course, was that it would bleed into the Pirates series as well. Like ultimately, that game was not necessary as long as it took care of business against the pirates but it, with the decision that was made and how how they went about doing it it cost them several hours of sleep and fatigue and if you want to fast forward to that first game of the pirate series it was obvious like how they were being affected by the situation they were sleepwalking through so much of that game trailing three to nothing against a pirates bullpen game going into the eighth inning and fortunately they were able to have a vintage 2023 Marlins rallied to like figure it out, but they were in a really tough spot as a consequence of doing that. And they were able to overcome it. Ultimately, every single team faces some kind of unusual adversity over the course of the year. And you don't want to make excuses afterwards. Every team has their own unique situation, not quite like this one, but maybe something like it that feels really unfair and you just overcome it. And they did. So ultimately didn't end up costing them. And they end up beating, in, in the end, winning a couple of games against a Pirates team to seal it. A Pirates team that we talked about heading into it was very feisty. That had been playing well against solid competition, including the Phillies just before that. Um, so overall, a really impressive finish under the circumstances for this team. And it, now they they made it. Yeah, they made it. They got a lot of help. That should be noted as well. Shout out to the Braves. Shout out to the Houston Astros. Uh, team, the Brewers, those are the teams this final week that helped put away their competition, help put help put them ahead of the D-backs and help knock out the Cubs. So the Marlins got some help at the very end to like make get over the hump as well. That should not be overlooked. Alex Carver's hand is up. Surely this is not about Brian Helling's outing today. No, I'm not going to talk about Brian. Uh, if he's here on the playoff roster, I hope he is. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but no, Grant, you were just talking before about uh, about when did you know that it was different. Um, and and for me, honestly, like I didn't know in spring training that the Marlins were going to do what they did. Obviously, uh, I'm not saying that. Um, I, I you know I listened to Bruce Sherman. I was there on the first day of spring training with Isaac, and he said kind of the same thing. Hey, we want to win right now, and and we're committed to it, and everything like that. You know, they did honor that, and obviously it, it wound up different. But the biggest difference for me. They got older on the field, right? Um, you know, they definitely gave it prospects to get a little bit older on the roster. But the one thing that they did get younger at is mindset. Um, and you can say that from the coaching standpoint, where they're bringing in a first-year manager, right? You can say that from mostly everybody on his staff with, with, with John Jay and Brant and, like, all these other guys that are coming in or at least younger in their coaching tenure, right? So they move on from Donnie. No knock on Donnie. Donnie's a great guy. No knock on him. But they get a lot younger, and I'll tell you how. And Kevin, I know you're listening, and I know you were there with me, and we, we talked about this together. Me and Kevin talked about it together. The biggest thing that stood out to me from day one is the overall focus of this team going from where Donnie was with old-time baseball, where his staff was with old-time baseball, 
to where even the organization was with old-time baseball, with guys like Denbo and all those other guys, right, to where they're a lot more analytically driven. They're doing a lot more research. They're doing a lot more work uh, to dig into the finer whys behind why things are happening with these players. Um, whether you're a, a long-time baseball fan and you're not about that approach or whether you're a new-time baseball fan and you're all about that approach, this works for the Marlins. They have these things set up from the first day of spring training, I said it, they have these towers set up behind home plates for these practice fields. In years past, 2021, 2022, 2020, before COVID, there were maybe three people on those towers. This year, the thing was filled and you could barely get a seat up there. So there's there's definitely a switch in mindset here. There was definitely a switch in mindset between how they drive performance um, to a more modern approach. And that overall is definitely behind the scenes what made this happen for the Marlins. There's no argument against it. They did that. They they have this this younger approach to the game, um, less less old time approach with Donnie and his staff, and more of this new time approach with Skip and staff. It's not just Skip's manager; it's Skip and staff with how they think, and that is definitely a huge reason why the Marlins are where they're at today. Looks like Mr. Kevin is in here. Mr. Kevin told us that he wasn't going to be here just because we started a little earlier. It was a very fast game today. We, we had projected a 6.30 start. Kevin's in here. Kevin, you want to build off any of what Mr. Carver said? Uh, I guess, what are you guys even talking about? No offense. I just joined midway through Carver's. Um, kind of just doing week in review right now. Yeah, a uh, great week. I, I think that's the best way to put it. Obviously, uh, Miami clinching there. Um, I, I don't know if we're even, you guys even want to talk about today's game, but Ryan Weathers looked great. Uh, and aside from that, man, I mean, the Marlins going to the playoffs. Miami's going to Philly. Isaac just um, just tweeted it out. It's official. Miami will be facing the Philadelphia Phillies in the wild card round uh, beginning Tuesday. So it should be Brax versus either Wheeler or Nola or Luzardo. So should be fun. Um, yeah, great week. No other way to put it. This team really – from New York, having to deal with all of that, to uh, coming back, going to Pittsburgh and taking those first two games, which were crucial. Um, you know, just, I guess, I think Skip put it best. Just a team effort. Ken, she, when she was talking to Paula on the post game, really, she just had to mention everyone, you know, because it, it kind of did feel like that. Everyone just played a part in this. And, you know, it's nice to see Miami back in the playoffs. I guess my first time. Grant, I would think this is your first time as well seeing the Marlins in the playoffs, and I know, you know, we have a couple of super, super subscribers that weren't alive. Well, that means 2020. That, I, I'm not, I did share 2020. I'm not going to argue if it counted or not. I did really, really enjoy 2020. That makes two of us, but, man, this one feels, you know, I think Bruce said it, this one feels so much better. Fans in the stands, you, you're able to celebrate correctly. You don't have to do all this, you know, six feet apart stuff, and, Man, it's nice. It's really nice to see Miami clinch and you know, not even the sixth seed, clinch the fifth seed. Which, you know, I guess many of us could have said that we would have preferred to face Milwaukee followed by LA. But, I mean, hey, you, you're going to face your NL East opponents, which you've seen a good amount. Miami came off of, I guess, sweeping the Braves, hangover Braves, but it's fine. And, uh, yeah, should be a really fun playoff run for Miami. And, you know, Philly, we've seen in the past that this is a team that they've beat and they're able to beat. You bring up a good point. Marlins do get the fifth seed, and I had mentioned this uh, amongst ourselves earlier that I kind of realized a while for the foreseeable future, the Major League Baseball will go six playoff teams at least in each league, but the Marlins would have made the playoffs in the old format, too. You can't 
say, oh, this is kind of a fluke season where, you know, you got these six teams in each league. Now it's easier to make the playoffs. And the old postseason from 2012 all the way to 2022, take out 2020, of course, the Marlins would have been in that one-off wildcard game. They would have gone to Philadelphia for one game and got to play the Braves and the NLDS. That, that's not the way it is anymore, so I'm not going to harp too much on that. But I do think it's an interesting note that the Marlins it, you beat out a lot of other teams to, to get into a spot that they're in. And I'm scrolling through my Twitter timeline while Kevin was talking, so I Craig missed tweet, tweet. Craig, of course, he's plugged in. He does expect the game to be on Tuesday night. So we were kind of talking about this as, as a Craig stat as well. And I, I don't know if we have mentioned it publicly, but this is kind of my forte. So I, I kind of I like just being like a sports broadcasting person. I, I like looking at, you know, what network executives try and put in each time slot and whatever. If the Marlins had to go to Milwaukee, I said many, many times, I am prepared to go skip classes to go watch a 2 p.m. start. I knew that it was going to be early in the day, but to TV executives, there is appeal for an NL East matchup in the wildcard round. So your wildcard matchups right now are Arizona-Milwaukee, which is definitely going to be like a 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. start, 2 p.m., whatever. Um, what, what else? Astros and or the Astros got to buy because they they won. So it'll be Twins and Twins, Blue Jays or Rangers. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. It's Blue Jays, Rangers, and uh, Astros that clinched. But yeah, the, the Astros, yeah. Well, the Astros clinched. Uh, oh, I'm looking at the bracket now. Astros clinched AL West. They get a buy. Uh, want to come from behind for them? Orioles also get a buy. So you got Rangers, Rays. It's probably also going to get a daytime slot. Well, maybe Blue Jays, Twins. I don't know. But I think out of your four wild card series, Marlins, Phillies kind of has the most appeal to it in my eyes from a casual perspective. It's your only rivalry in there, only teams kind of with any history against each other. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to expect one of these teams to, to be in a primetime spot after last time the Marlins made the playoffs. All five games they played, First pitch was before 3 p.m., so it would it'll be a nice change of pace yes. to be able to watch the Marlins in, in a prime spot. Yeah, this is what I was telling people a few days ago. I'm all on board with the bigger spotlight, the sexier opponent, the bigger pressure, because ultimately these series are total – they are so unpredictable, even though you can do – we're going to have very thorough breakdown of this, of course, over the next – 48 hours or so toward whenever the game starts uh, on both our live stream and our articles and additional stuff. We're going to go really in detail about the Phillies as well. And you might come out concluding that they are the more dangerous team than the Brewers are in a three game series, which is the same length as a normal series. How many times this year have we been surprised by the results of a normal Marlins series? We've probably been surprised by half of them, probably half the time the winner of these series over the course of a baseball season is is the team that you wouldn't expect to do so. Uh, that is how random it is. The Now, of course, the big difference here is that the Phillies are at home. That That is a distinction. The Marlins do not get any home games during the series, just to be completely clear. No home games at Lone Depot Park until the earliest would be game three of the NLDS. If they win, then they get guaranteed at least one home game in that series. But none in this one. They're all on the road. You've seen Philadelphia, especially the last couple of years. It is the fans do their best to make that that a really strong home 
field environment over there. That hasn't stopped the Marlins from having some success over there, including winning a series in Philly a few weeks ago. Um, when it was a very highly contested series in there, but I'm very much looking forward to this. I think this is great. Um, and as I tweet out on the FLF account a few minutes ago, they've never played the Phillies in the playoffs. I think old heads, maybe Carver and I can go off the top of our head. We can name all the postseason series the Marlins have played in before. They've played the Giants. They've played the Braves. They've played in the World Series against the then Indians and then the Yankees. They've played the Cubs, of course. And then most recently, they've played they played the Cubs again in 2020 and they played the Braves again in 2020, but they have a, uh, this is something new. So this is a brand new quote unquote rivalry. And this is, we keep reiterating it. Marlins have not been here as a franchise very often before. So any playoff series that they play is immediately, you know, it could be ammuni- ammunition. I should say it could be material for some of the best and biggest memories or the biggest heartbreak in franchise history. Like this is territory. A lot of other franchises are used to this, but the Marlins are not. This is only going to be the ninth postseason series in franchise history. That's it. Still in single digits. So that is all. This is going to be really fun. That's all I'm going to say. Miami does have the season series over Philly, if I'm looking correctly. Or it's tied. But either way, oh, yeah, they lost a four-game set. But anyways, uh, Luis Rice hit the cycle in Philly. I believe Jacob Stalling is at a homer in Philly. So a lot has happened in Philly. Uh, so it should be a fun series. Uh, I think when you look at it, this is one of the hotter teams in baseball with Harper, Castellanos, Schwarber. I don't know what Trey Turner's status. I saw he was injured, so we'll see what happens there. That's a big one. Still have Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm. It's a really good team. JT Realmuto is going to be facing his former team in the playoffs. That should be fun. Man, then they have really good pitching. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola. I believe Miami's gotten both of them at least some point this year. And then their bullpen is a little shaky. So it should be fun. I, I'm not going to say what my prediction is because we probably are doing that for the series uh, for the live stream, and it uh, should be a fun series no matter what. And you did mention Arise, and I do want to give him his due diligence. He, he's won the batting title. We'll probably talk about that a little more in a second. But you also kind of set the stage on what's happened in Philly this year, but I think all the way back to 2020 when the bottom feeder stuff started, I think a lot has culminated over the last few years, and while a lot of bases are new, I feel like it's very appropriate that these two teams finally get to settle this on the grand stage. And the Phillies also have their pennant defense as well this playoff. So a lot at yeah. stake. A lot at stake. While many argue that the Brewers are probably the more favorable opponent, and if you get out of the wild card route, the Dodgers have definitely been the more favorable opponent over the Braves. There's a lot at stake here. I think the Marlins are going to be in a really cool spotlight that it's, it's kind of starting to dawn on me a little bit now. I think these guys are going to be ready for the challenge as well. Yeah, should be a good series. I, I'm going to do a deeper dive into just like what the pitching matchups could look like, but I believe Braxton's pitch well against team, this team, Lugardo as well. So, I mean, you really I, – I think the goal here would be try to take those first two because if you go into that third game, I really don't – I guess you're going to go with Edward. And yeah, I don't feel very good going with Edward into a playoff game. So, yeah, and I see Alex Carver is uh, raising his hand. So, no, I just wanted to, to reiterate something really quickly um, that we all know, but I, I don't want to be like the, the Debbie Downer of the group or anything like that, but to know that they're going into these playoffs without Sandy is number one, and without Yuri is the second one. Like, the Marlins aren't here without those guys, um, and I think that's going to have a big, big, big impact on when, you know, how far they go this year. 
Um, this pitching staff is, is, as we know, we saw Ron Weather start today. You know, obviously the game doesn't really matter. That's fine. But that spot will matter here very, very shortly. And the Marlins don't really have anyone else to fill it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be up to, you know, the pitching staff's going to take them as far as they're going to go. And, uh, you know, you feel a lot, a hell of a lot better if you had uh, Sandy and Yuri in there. But you don't. Um, I, you know, Sandy last night, his interview, I want to cry. You know, I know he wants to cry out of happiness, but he probably also wants to cry out of frustration because he knows he's not going to be out there to help him out. You know what I mean? So um, it sucks. Um, you know, just, just that in, in hindsight, you know, the injuries to the injury to Sandy and then, you know, just innings catching up with Perez. Um, you, you really wish you had those guys or even Trevor, like you wish you had Trevor. Like, I, you, know, you wish I had him back too. He got injured this year. As Who's well. that guy? Yeah, some, some guy that's around somewhere. What about six? Yeah, where's yeah, that? Six that we don't talk about, but yeah. Six, uh, anyways, yeah, uh, you, yeah, you wish you had those arms around, you know, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Trevor, uh, Yuri, and, and Sandy. Uh, of course, they'll be there for emotional support, but you know they want to be out there. So it sucks. It's bittersweet, but the Marlins are in the playoffs, and they can take stock in the fact that they got them there for sure. I do want to ask, and this is more of any like questions. So right now they're at twenty-eight. If you remove Sandy and Yuri from the postseason roster because they're on the IL, that'd be, that's it. You have a roster set, right? And I would assume you remove Weathers and you remove – oh, wait. I really want him gone. And Eli's laughing, so it's not good. I, you are mixing up the active roster with the 40-man roster. There's 28 players on the active roster right now. Um, yeah, Sandy and Yuri, they, they, they've been on the IL for a, a while now. So, yeah. Right. So, of course, most of the regular season, 26 players. And then only for September, we, they added a couple more spots. And now for the playoffs, you go back down to 26. Yeah. And for a short series in particular, now this being a three game series, um, there's you just don't need that many arms usually because it's so few games. Um, and there's only so many innings that you need to fill win or lose. And you can you obviously can reset your roster for the next round for the longer series. If you get there anyway, the curious case that they're in is, as we've already laid out is that beyond Braxton and Lazardo, you just don't trust any of the starters. So you don't, you don't know if you want to Edward is capable of giving you a starters workload, but it might, it's could be volatile. You don't know exactly what you're getting from him. Johnny Cueto to a similar extent where he can, he's stretched out, but they are not going to trust Cueto to pitch any deeper than say he did in his last start against the Mets. Once he goes, more than two times through an order, even if things are going perfectly, um, you need a bail on that. They don't really have a third starter at all. Um, and that's especially compared to the Phillies. There are other teams out there that also have really big rotation concerns. If you look at the Cubs, one of the reasons why they collapsed is because their rotation depth totally deteriorated as the season went on. It's like, it's not unusual for decent teams even to run out of pitching at this time of year, but the contrast is pretty clear between the Marlins and the Phillies where the Phillies know they have Zach Wheeler, they have Aaron Nola, they have Ranger Suarez, um, and I know this year uh, Christopher Sanchez, he's an interesting candidate to pop in. When they signed Taiwan Walker, he was supposed to help stabilize the rotation, but I know that he's kind of faded as the season has gone on. So for the, they have an interesting fourth starter conversation, but their top three is pretty solid between Nola and Wheeler and Suarez. And they're going to have – and that's an interesting comparison, though. If you look at the full season stats between those guys and between Lazardo and Braxton, um, I mean, Wheeler's stats overall are very similar to Lazardo's this year, believe it or not. 
the peripherals are a little shinier with Wheeler. Um, the Phillies would have a big advantage if this was a longer series. And the Marlins, even if they seem like underdogs in this one, you get really concerned if you're if, if they make it really deep. Then they 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 would have to get extremely creative to get through longer series at this stage of the year. But yeah, in the time being, um, they can win this. They can win this. That's what will continue to underscore the next forty eight hours is that when a series is this short, um, there's. There's a wide range of outcomes. There's a wide range of little small plays that can ultimately decide it, and you can get really unlikely heroes. This is still such a new idea in baseball for the the best of three series in the postseason. Um, So there's not much history, um, but you can look at the limited history that we have, and there are upsets as recently as the Mets against the Padres last year when the Mets had won 100 games and they get bowed out in the first round. You could... This is this is what makes it uh, really interesting. This is what Major League Baseball has leaned into, where they're not overly concerned about the best team winning. They just want to put together the most entertaining playoff format, and uh, I think they succeeded with that. Don't know how do you both Zardo and Braxton more starts, but they both have two starts, and it's this season. Just to, to clarify, and it's it's very different. So Luzardo is just shutting us to Phillies three, you know, for the most part. And then Brax, he, he struggled. He was like almost a six yard against Philly. So obviously, those aren't the numbers you're going to look at all the time because you just look at what Luzardo did in his spot in his last start against the Mets and just kind of look at some of his positives. And man, he, he's looked great. And then same with Brax. So we got starters. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned them. Isaac just tweeted Luzardo goes game one, Braxton goes game two. There it is. No word on. Uh, if necessary, game three, of course. I mean, there would be no need to because you're going to want to try and win it too. But that, right. that's big because initially, Kim, when Kim got asked earlier, she wouldn't reveal who uh, the team was going to roll out there in game one. I kind of like the, the mysteriousness behind um, behind not naming your starter two days ago just because of just how fluid this, the situation is with the Marlins rotation itself. But Lazardo will be on the bump for what we presume could be a night game, Tuesday night in Citizens Bank Park. It's a big stage. I think it's a guy who's definitely going to be ready for that chance. I really didn't know if they were going to go with him game one, but I guess we have our official word now in game two. So you're going to drop your two best starters out there the first two games and just hope that uh, get the job done in two games. Don't have to get that third game. I, I like the strategy. Well, it's the only two starters you have. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, you knew it was going to be those two guys in this order. You knew, or in any order, whether it was Braxton first or Jesus first, whatever. Right? Knowing the way question, Skip is, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they tried to do a bullpen game game two. Yeah. Yeah, you have to rent out your best as soon as possible. So I think they're doing it right. My question for you guys is, as this gets into longer series, like let's say the Marlins win this wild card round, and they, let's say they win both games and everything's good to go, and then they go to the next opponent, which I guess would be Atlanta, probably, I'm pretty sure, right? So let's say, let's say they, they win, right, and let's say they get it done. Let, let's just say for the time being, you know, obviously those two guys are going to be out there probably first and foremost, and then where do you go from there? And what's the, what's the strategy behind that for, for, for Skip, right? Like, you know, you saw in the Pirates series, they didn't announce starters until day of, right? They didn't announce Edward till like, the day of. They didn't announce Oker, I think, started until the day of. And they didn't announce Weathers till today. So what what is, you know, especially, like Eli said, with the roster shrinking, like, what is, how much does strategy play a part there in when and how you announce starters and who do you go to, right? And who do you select for this playoff roster? 
answer, especially surrounding pitching. Is Arias going to be okay? Is he back to 100%? Like, there are serious questions to answer here that we're really going to need to answer by October 3rd. And that's only a couple days away. So uh, there's definitely some some huge questions to answer around this Marlins team. This is, this is, it's definitely cool to make it, but they want to make it as far as they can. How are they going to do it? And there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of rhetoric. There's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of hopefully answers around this stuff. And um, yeah, this playoff roster and how it shapes up is going to be really interesting to me. I, oh, wow, there's kind of a plan in place now. We kind of have some clarity. I'm still refreshing my screen vigorously, waiting for some start times. For those who are usual listeners, I usually announce when we do the next day of the fish at the end of the current one, which I'm not ending it right now, by the way. We still have fan questions to get to, but no clue what we're going to do with uh, with this schedule. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and then uh, we can only assume that it'll be Wheeler followed by Nola for, for that. For, I'm there. That's how they've done it for the most part. So should be a fun matchup. Uh, Eli, I think, mentioned it that, you know, both Lizardo and Wheeler have very similar numbers. So, should be a fun, should be very fun. I'm very, very excited. You know, in the, in the bright light, in the night lights, I guess you could say, um, in Philadelphia where Miami has been pretty good. Uh, so, again, um, they had the chance to make history, I, I think you could say. Indeed. Well, we usually do our week ahead. For those who don't usually listen, you kind of got a little bit doing it. And there it is. Look Philly, at some of the names. Philly will go with Wheeler and Nolan. Isaac just reported it. Nope, there you go. Well, you want to talk about that anymore, or do we want to get the, the fan questions? Let's go to fan questions. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Kevin kind of set the stage there pretty well. It's Kevin, two for two today, talking about starters and then them getting announced. So, cool there. And I think that all that really needs to tell you is what we know is going to happen with that New York Mets game. I know it hasn't been officially announced, but I think we can all guess what's going to happen with it. We usually do a week, in, week ahead, but we've kind of only talked about the week ahead. I've got Eli bringing in our super subscribers, so let me pitch to you. Become a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. It's all access to fish on first everything, and there's not a better time to do it than right now with the postseason run. All sorts of exclusive content giveaways it's a little too late to participate in our series predictions since well you might only have one more series to make predictions in um yeah fancy sports leagues we have our fancy football league going right now our fancy baseball league wrapped up for the super subscribers last week mr sean who's going to be our first speaker it seems will have tickets to a game of his choice in 2024 um what, what else we got um of course we always bring up these because you get first priority to speak in these spaces and when we have a special guest like Craig Mish the week before the trade deadline or you know I'm looking at certain guests this offseason potentially because we're always looking for a way to fill content and time in the offseason it'll be cool to have thinking about maybe some Q&A's with some cool people so we'll bring Sean in here and then again you don't have to be a super subscriber to request Uh, we'll speak to anyone but you do get the priority it is just $3 a month it is on uh, thefishonfirst.com homepage at the top three dollars a month you can always donate more most of our super subscribers actually do donate more than the three dollars a month but without further ado sean hey guys i'm still just riding on the high from last night this is so great that they're in the playoffs my question was just kind of about seating as it turns out the wondering just like why is it that the fifth seed has to go 
play the one seed. I mean, I appreciate that that is the rule and it's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The Marlins get the Braves right. and they have to advance, right. but it just it doesn't seem... Just, I guess it feels like there should be more of an advantage to be the five seed than the six seed. Um, right. So it, it, it's the only advantage, just that you get to play the four seed and theoretically they're crappier than the three seed? Or is there something so, I'm missing? So the, the way Major League Baseball's done it with this new format is it's pretty similar to how National Football League does their format, right? You have two teams get this first round by, or how they used to do it, rather. Right? Two teams get the first round by, three versus six, four versus five in the wild card. Then the NFL would reseed, and the one seed would always play the lowest seed or whatever. Um, so, like in theory, if the six seed were to beat the three seed, the five seed would go play the two seed. So, let's say the the Diamondbacks go upset the Brewers, you would think the Diamondbacks would go get the Braves, and then the Marlins would go get the Dodgers, right? That's not how it is for Major League Baseball the way they've done it. No reseeding. You are set in stone in your bracket. There's no moving around at all. If the, the Marlins know who they're opponent will be next round the Braves know who their opponent will be next round which was the winner of Phillies Marlins same could be set for the Dodgers and the teams over on the AL side Orioles Astros so that's just the way the seating has been done with this new playoff structure and this new format I do agree with you I don't really like it I think I would have appreciated reseeding but there's a benefit to being a six seed that's why coming down the stretch here on State of the Fish I think a lot of us have said that we wanted the six seed but like now kind of looking at it I think Marlins fans specifically just want to go see the team host a playoff game and just get the NLDS no matter what. And if this team's good enough to go win it all, they're going to go beat whoever. I mean, if they're really good enough to go win the World Series, they're going to go beat the Braves. And at some point, they would have to go see the Braves. So I think you just got to take the challenge however you can take it there. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I was just wondering if I was missing something because... Yeah, no, no, you're good. It's still new to everyone, everyone, so only a second year with this. And then the 16-team monstrosity that was 2020 still kind of looms in everyone's head, especially because it's the last time we watched the Marlins in the playoffs. You had 16 teams in the playoffs in 2020, 10 teams in 2021, 2022, and 2023, you've had 12 teams. So it's a a lot of changing, but I think – Major League Baseball finally has something that could stick around for a while with this new format. Yeah, it'll stick around maybe five years until expansion comes. I'll be curious. I hope they keep it at 12 and don't go to 14. Uh, they, but they may be tempted to copy the NFL, which has 32 teams that has gone to mm-hmm. 14. But at least for a few years now, we do have we should have some continuity with that. You're right. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I'll let someone else jump on. All right, thank you very, very much. Well, I can't see the request just because I'm not a co-host for these anymore just because the way co-hosting works is weird. All right, LMF in here. You gave an awesome, right. awesome speech last night. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't listen to the whole thing, the whole spaces last night. I wasn't in the whole time, but I really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad I didn't blow your thumbs out. Um, can you all hear me? Yep. Awesome. Um regards to facing the Phillies, man, it's kind of, you know, you do the Ric Flair woo you to be the best. You got to beat the best, and we are going into a hostile environment, which we have won four out of six games this season, and really, uh, you're facing the National League uh, champions, um, and you got to go face the best team 
in a long time in baseball in the National League and the Braves. This is playoff baseball. Anything could happen. I know that our starters, we only have two, let's say, viable starters, but in this round, all you need is two viable starters. Uh, we beat up on NOLA this season in Philly. Uh, that was the Arise game. Of course, that uh, Wado game got out of hand a little early, came back, uh, making it four to five, and then uh, the Jesus gave up the, uh, the lead again or the rest of the game. Uh, but you won two out of three under a month ago. So we know we can win in Philly. Their fans are hostile as F. And um, it's going to be fun. Anything can happen once you get in. The history of this franchise shows that once you're in, that does happen. You weren't supposed to beat the Yankees. You weren't supposed to beat the Cubs. Um, I think, I know we weren't favored ever to beat the Giants, but Giants are the Giants. Um, I don't really have any questions. just want to say it's been a fun season. Sad to see it ending. And, um, you know, this is what it's all about. Getting to the postseason. You're not always going to win a championship, but it's about building your franchise as a winner. And they, as the Braves have shown over their history, you don't win every year. You win, in their case, one out of every 20. <laughs> um, but in our case, uh, you know, we had two in 10 years. And uh, this is our second time, technically, in the playoffs in four. So uh, this is what, what good franchises do is win. We're in. Let's get it done. Let's go Marlins. Let's get louder. And everybody in here should super subscribe because it's only $3 a month. Thank you. Much love to all. Let's go Marlins. Couldn't have been said better. Thank you. All right. We've got Danilo in here for our next question. Hey, guys. Uh, very excited to make the postseason. Uh, every time the Marlins play postseason baseball uh, in, well, since like four, uh, three or four years ago. Um, I know that Yuri is injured uh, or injured currently, but with the pitching limited as, uh, with the starting pitching limited as is, is there any chance that we'll see him pitch in relief two or three innings a la Dontra Willis in 2003? Doubt it. Very highly doubtful. I don't think they're going to risk this guy. I mean, yeah, I know it's the playoffs, and I know that there's things that, that you know, when, when the playoffs and you want to win, like the Marlins said, they, we want to win. I don't think they're going to risk this guy at all. Uh, he was injured last year at the end of the year. He's injured now more seriously at the end of the year. I don't think they're going to risk this player. Uh, this is a long-term projectable future of the age of the staff. They're not risking him. I think it's very well said, although I would be interested to see what they would maybe think about if they get to like the NLCS or start playing later into October, give him a little more time to heal up from whatever he's dealing with. But I, I do agree with Carver's sentiment 100%. We've seen a lot of good teams and their young starters and uh, how they've been handled and how things can just change so quickly when injuries aren't handled correctly. I, I was kind of mad at the way the Marlins had handled Yeah, at first, but I I like what they're doing right now. Right, yeah. I think the absolute best-case scenario would be in just a conventional relief role. There's not going to be time, even if he's fully healthy now, there's just not time to get him stretched out again, even if they feel healthy, even if they were comfortable doing so. So that dream to hold off, to hold on to, is that he comes back in the later rounds as a fireballing reliever in there. It just because... 
that'd, that'd be a lot of fun. Don't don't count on it. That is kind of an absolute best case scenario, and certainly they'll have to go deeper for that to even be on the table. Where is I, I don't know where where this is in retrospect. Um, I know we've gotten updates on him throwing and everything like that. Um, but maybe Eli or, or Kevin or maybe even Grant, maybe you guys know, um, is there a route to Max Meyer making a contribution or no? No, he's in Minnesota too. So I, I really don't, he's just, the last thing they said was throwing programs and bullpens. So I, I don't think he's coming back. I, I believe that last setback screwed him. Yeah. I, I could have told you a solid maybe. If he didn't get, he didn't, he didn't have the setback. But even then, I, I did see. Yeah. I didn't think it was very doubtful. Yeah, honestly, I mean, maybe a laugh, but Monteverde is still there. I know he struggled a little in the second half, but he could eat innings if that's what you really need. And he's been a starter this year. I do think he deserved the call up for a good amount of time. And I know you'll back me up on that one, Carver. But he's not a bad option, especially with how Hoenn's been pitching lately. And now you don't have Ryan Weathers. And I know Eli's a Ryan Weathers hater, but, you know, uh, well, Monteverde is a bad chance. Well, before we get to that, we should touch on Weathers briefly. So he did he did pitch today. He pitched six scoreless innings today. Um, certainly his best outing as a Marlin, and one of his best as a major leaguer period to this point, going against very inexperienced Pirates lineup, of course. Um, to jump off your comment about how he's kind of out of the picture, to be clear, because he pitched today a full six innings, he's not going to be – available to pitch at all during this wild card series. They had him start today specifically so that they could save their actual interesting postseason arms and get them rested, guarantee them to get rest by calling up somebody else who was not in their postseason plans. They did that very intentionally. I, I'm sure some people were impressed by what they saw, but that is not going to get him onto the wild card roster because he physically will not be able to do anything during the wild card series. That's something they could reevaluated in the division series. Uh, yeah, to me, I was I kind of liked that trade, even though it had my beloved Sean Reynolds going the other way, along with Garrett Cooper to the Padres. I like that one as a long-term project, and I think he's going to be a rotation candidate to watch in 2024. You remember, people may remember, Jesus Lazardo. he was terrible when the Marlins acquired him for those first couple months. He finished off his season with a great start against the Phillies. That didn't mean anything. And that was somewhat of a stepping stone for him to obviously enter 2022 as a legit piece of their rotation. So it would not surprise me if Weathers comes back next year as a pitcher of note, but I certainly would not have him involved in any postseason plans unless injuries absolutely force them to do that in the later rounds. Yeah, pitching stuff. Uh, <laughs> It's where do you go? It's, uh, it's next right. man up kind of thing, and uh, it's, it's, it's really tough right now. Any other questions, Canelo? No, it was just the one about Yuri. Um, also, I really want to see the bottom feeders narrative come back now that we're facing the Phillies in the wildcard series. I haven't gotten enough disrespect for that one yet, but surely it would be fun. Thank you very much. we got Sharif here. Sharif, what, what do we got? Um, yeah, man, I'm just grateful um, once again, show up uh, for the space. Um, this one is really for, this is, this one is for us all, um, you know, and then, and, you know, the minor league studying, the keeping up with the team, um, all of the tweaks, uh, keeping up 
as I've progressed, I see in interviews with the players, we've had dugout coverage and, and these kind of things bringing it to us. This is more more of a victory for you guys tonight um, because you're going to continue to work, uh, by the way. <laughs> so keep, keep it up, guys. What a guy. Appreciate it, sir. Yeah, props to Isaac for uh, for his covers this week, uh, tripping out to Pittsburgh to get to get this in. Did the whole series. He stayed for today's game, even though he probably really didn't have to. Um, but yeah, great reporting from Isaac this week. Um, Kevin's done a great job all year, especially with getting involved in the minor league stuff. Uh, and then, of course, Eli's behind the scenes for all of us. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been just a pleasure to cover this team for all of us. I think I can speak for all of us in saying that. Grant did a good job when they when they went out in his area uh, of the country. Um, so so yeah, I mean it's just it's just it's just really great to see um, you know the the circumventional coverage that we try to bring to the team as best as we can. Me at the minor league side, and then all of these guys at the major league side um, is, is 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 really refreshing to see it get rewarded with an extended extended uh, playoff playoff run this season. Um, these guys deserve it. Uh, these guys in the, at the major league level that have covered this team at the major league level this year really deserve to experience this. I'm happy that they're experiencing it. It's something that I've never experienced in my time covering the team, so it's cool for me to experience it as well. I've been covering the team since 2014. The Marlins had one playoff run where no media could go in 2020. So it's cool to see it from all aspects, um, and we'll loop you guys in as much as we can all the time. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is great. And um, as, as I said to Eli when me and him – partnered with my project and his um is that we want to bring you guys the best coverage system-wide and i hope we accomplish that this year yeah man i, I put it was it's one thing um in regards to miss Lang. i think she confused me with her latest uh, uh press conference because she said that lizardo was the number one or fraxton could be a number two or one I don't know. Did you guys like, figure out who's going to start game one and two from from our press conference? Yeah, you can see it if you scroll up on the spaces in here. We have it. It was just announced within the last twenty minutes or so. It's Lazardo game one. It's Braxton game two. They'll figure it out beyond that. They make it beyond that. Yeah, because I didn't listen to her. I was. I guess she was trying to say. The roster we have now, he's the number one because obviously Sandy's the number one. Um, but yeah, I, she might have just tripped up on her words there. All right, well, hey, we appreciate it. We can go to whoever's got next question. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Do we have anyone? I brought Beaufort Breeze in here. He was the star of last night's clinch space. I don't see anyone. No. He doesn't show up for you? Nope. Okay. If no one has any questions... um, Thoughts on the Phillies? Not so much as, I'm sorry, thoughts on the wildcard series? Not so much predictions, but it's obviously a very familiar, it, it, it's a lineup that the Marlins are familiar with. Uh, someone said that they've had some success with uh, against Nola this year. Not much success against Wheeler, I believe. Um, 
but what are, I guess, our expectations and yeah, that's just it. What, what can we expect Tuesday night from the Marlins and the Phillies? Should be a good series. Obviously, Wheeler and Rosardo, pretty similar numbers, so that should be a good pitcher's duel. And um, again, this is a pitcher-friendly ballpark for the most part, so <laughs> we'll see. I don't know what Trey Turner's status, status is. I, I saw he got hit by a pitch or something, and they had to take him out. So I, I'm curious to see if he'll play, if he'll be good to go. Uh, aside from that, should be a good game. I, I would say decently high scoring. You know, Miami has success in this ballpark. They had success against this team. I like Miami's bullpen over Philadelphia for the most part. Um, yeah, should be a good series. It's just a ridiculously deep Phillies lineup. Um, that's what I'm intimidated by. There's no soft spots really in this lineup. When tra- assuming Trey Turner is totally fine. I mean, this year they've had career years from some of their young guys like Bryson Stodd and Brandon Marsh to go along with all those vets that are kind of doing what they do. How many home runs? Schwarber finished with 47 home runs this year and to have that at the very top of your lineup, but all he gets the, a lot of the attention all the way down. It's just really deep with above average hitters almost all of whom have average to great slugging potential in there. That's what makes them really different from the Marlins. They are kind of a light version of the Braves in that respect as well. They are amazingly efficient at running the bases too. Like, so what with Trey Turner this year, he went 30 for 30 on steals. But the thing is, that's the norm for them. Bryson Stott went 31 of 34. Uh, even JT, he still steals bases, 16 of them for him this year. This is a team that ordinarily can take advantage of that. That's one small matchup thing that I guess the current alignment makes it helps with the Marlins in that respect. Like when you're going up against Sandy and you can steal bases, that can be a big issue for the Marlins. But Luzardo, um, Luzardo very quietly was one of the best defensive pitchers in all of baseball this year in terms of fielding, in terms of controlling the running game and also literally fielding balls hit directly at him. That's like, that's one subtle thing that perhaps goes overlooked about him, despite being a great power pitcher as well. Um, being able to control the running game as best that he can. And Braxton as a let also as a lefty kind of has an edge in that department um, that to have those guys pitching the, the bulk of your innings for this series. That's one small, I think that's the best thing that the Marlins could possibly have. Even if Sandy was healthy to, to have these other guys, that can control the running game in that respect is going to be uh, pretty huge, but but it's a good team that has been just very solidly above average for the majority of the season after getting off to a kind of slow start in April and in May. And then in the, I guess the, their bullpen is what is at, at times this year, it has looked really improved from where it used to be. Um, and, but overall, I think the Marlins at the very back end, the Marlins still have a slight edge. I would take Nardi and Tanner Scott over any pair of pitchers that the Phillies have. It is a pretty deep pen, though. Um, and I'll be curious to how they use Michael Lorenzen. Of course, we remember him as a trade target for the Marlins at the deadline. Uh, he threw a no-hitter with the Phillies, and then pretty soon after that, he moved to the bullpen as well. So he's an interesting X-factor in here, having been a starter for almost all the last two years, but now going back to his original role and adding depth to that uh, situation, it's it's a much deeper team than the Marlins are, both offensively 
in pitching wise. I, I guess that's what stands out. As I'll keep reiterating, depth is just not as big a deal in this first round. When it's a best of three series, uh, depth isn't necessarily going to make the difference. That's what makes the Phillies a better team overall. At the same time, because they're facing them at this stage of the postseason, that what, what makes an upset relatively realistic for them. Of their nine everyday starters, just to corroborate Eli's point about their lineup, of their nine everyday starters, seven of them have an over 100 WRC+. plus. Bryson Stott is at 99, so very close to 100 WRC+. Plus. And then the only guy in their everyday lineup or everyday, you know, plans is in Mundo Sosa. He has a 95 WRC+, plus, so also very, very close. This team's very, very tough. It's going to be tough to face them. It's going to be tough to see what they do. You also have Wheeler and Nola. Wheeler kills the Marlins. Nola historically kills the Marlins. They've been better this year, like you said. But, you know, you're in a hitter-friendly environment against a deep lineup. It's going to be tough. And the Marlins have questions, huge questions around what they're going to do with pitching. So it's going to be difficult, but we'll see how they do. Yeah, I have a question. Let's say we try to be cheap in terms of, like, we don't we don't have Sandy. Um, if we if we try to cheap be cheap with our starting at Tuesday, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, game two Thursday, and then travel day, so that would mean Friday. So game three would be Sunday. So if game three is Sunday, then that means we we might let Desaro like pitch twice. Uh, I, we might not have to hand it over to Cueto or, or a bullpen any. Um, for me, if Luzaro pitches game, game one and then he gets a Wednesday rest and a Thursday rest, Friday, Saturday, he can pitch game three. <laughs> no. This series, to be clear, they just play three days in a row. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday if necessary. And then the wild card series is over. In case that was unclear. So it's three game series. Yeah. Three games and three days if they need it. So they're going to need, in fact, Lizardo is not going to be available for game three on Thursday. If they, need it. they need to go a different direction at that point. Okay. Talk about not looking ahead, looking at the game in front of you. I'm, I'm, I'm turning into Skip. I didn't. I thought it were five game series in, in uh, the uh, playoff matchup. No, this is this is best of three, and then if they make it through, the division series is going to start on Saturday, and even that okay. that would be a quick. Even if they advance, it'll have to be somebody other than Lazardo and Braxton for that game as well. Um, like I said, there's there's really no way around this lack of uh, rotation depth. It's going to be tricky for them to overcome, but you just take it one game at a time. And go ahead, Alejandro. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, hey, guys. You hear me good? Yeah, keep going. Okay. I've been uh, following you guys since 2019, so it's uh, been a roller coaster. And... Um, Let's have two questions. I don't know if in the history of Lone Depot Park there's been a sellout, but if the Marlins do pass it and even go to the Braves, what do you guys think the attendance would be? 25,000, 30,000? And the second question is, um, has Eli received any hate for his horrible prediction of the series? Thank you. 
Uh, nobody has to hate it because it came true. As it when it turns out that way, and I doubt the team, and something goes bad, that's when I get the the hate from it. So nobody has noticed it. Nobody cares. Uh, all that matters is that they succeeded. I made that as a final push for our uh, prediction time contest. And Grant remind Grant brought it up earlier in the show. Now we have to extend that prediction time contest through the postseason as well. So we can't even decide on a winner of that yet, even though I'm kind of out of contention. It, it helps. Well, here's us. a question for, for you on that. Look, mm-hmm. if the Mets game gets called and it's a file, will those who have Mets two of three get the points? You and I were the only ones who had Mets two of three for that whole series. Right. Now what I'm going to do is hand out anybody that had both teams winning at least one game, I'll get them credit for that. As long as somebody didn't predict a sweep either way, everybody else is going to get at least one point for that. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with this series MVP picks for that. Um, to get back to the question, now that we actually have a look at, we know the matchups in the bracket, we have this particular schedule. We know that first NLDS home game would be Wednesday, October 11th. And so as it partially depends, it really doesn't conflict with a whole lot of other sporting stuff down here um, in the market. Unless maybe FIU football, Kevin would know that, but I think Kevin has left us. Oh, I, I know FIU football is playing a lot of Wednesday games, uh, so that may chew away a, a few dozen people that go focusing on, on that game that same night instead of uh, the Marlins and, and the Braves. It would be in that, but otherwise, falling on that day of the week, um, it's there's not a whole lot of competition for it, and I would expect. I gave an answer to this a few weeks ago, and I didn't like the answer because what I overlooked is the the opposing team's fan base. I think it's going to be extremely well attended and perhaps pretty close to a sellout. What I would want to prepare people for is how much of that would be because of Braves fans, not because of Marlins fans. I would expect the Braves fans to travel extremely well for that, given the team's recent dominance, given the high expectations that they have. Um, especially if they have a chance to clinch the series in either of those first two games, games three and then game four, if necessary. I think it's going to be a great crowd. I think it's going to be uh, as big or bigger than any of the regular season crowds. Um, and, you know, optimistically, maybe half of that is Marlins fans. I think that's even being a little optimistic. I think it'll be well filled out, but just be prepared for a lot of that to be because the opposing team is uh, traveling to go there, especially because it's an opposing team that has World Series aspirations. So people don't want to miss any step of that journey. What I would say to add on to Eli's points, and I don't disagree with any of them, but really quickly to add on to Eli's points, what I would say is in the South Florida sports market, there's one truth. And those of us who have followed it for a long time, Sean, you can corroborate this, that when they show up, right? When they're going to show up. And I think that it could get close to a... 60-40, 50-50 split, even though it's the Braves. So, yeah, um, I I would expect at least a 60-40, if not a 50-50 split between Marlins and Braves fans if it gets back down here. Absolutely. There'll be, I think it'll be close to that, maybe even 50-50. Now, how many of those Marlins fans will have watched more than two Marlins games in 2023? That's that's the question where you're going to start to see um, some numbers that'll make you sad, but Miami loves a winner. People will turn out just to be seen and have some have some beer. The, the last time they watched the game, Skip Schumacher was playing on the infield, right? Or outfield, whatever. You know, <laughs> like that, that's probably what you're looking at for a lot of these fans that are 
that are that are maybe in attendance that day. But yeah, when do they show up? So um, as long as the Marlins are back in it, as long as the Marlins are there, as long as the Marlins are back home, you're going to get a good crowd. And will will there be um, if uh, Isak or Kevin that are in the bumper? Do they know if we have a playoff game where there be any specials with burgers and beers? <laughs> um, if there will be any burgers or beers, I don't know. They gotta get through the Wild Card series first, so we have no idea what the promotions will be at Lone Depot Park for potential division series. And somebody floated today. We haven't mentioned it. The official ends of Miguel Cabrera's playing career. And so somebody floated the idea about him throwing out the first pitch. Now that he's retired. And now that a postseason baseball is returning to Miami for the first time since he was actually on the team, uh, I don't know if that idea has any traction. Um, but that was in terms of what they can do to make that game really special, understanding potentially that it they make it there might be the only home game that they have. I hope they uh, do have special stuff lined up for uh, to treat people right, to make sure that they convert more people into 2024 season ticket holders. Like historically, that's the big perk you're supposed to get from being a playoff team is getting people invested in the here and now and actually coming out and supporting the team consistently the following year. As much as we've paid close attention to attendance this year and the trends that go along with that, and it has been a nice increase from where it used to be, it's still kind of embarrassing for a team that is making the playoffs. I'm sure you look at the attendance for all the other teams that have made it this far when the Marlins trail the rest so glaringly the, the big test of the market as a whole of the organization of like of, we're going to learn so much next year based on kind of what the support is like through the course of that regular season and it's going to be another they it'll be a big assist to that 2024 attendance situation if they are able to showcase the park in a meaningful playoff game before this run is over jump on that just for a fun question uh, if, if they do get a home game I, I agree with you that you know if being Mickey that seems like that would be unlikely on many levels <laughs> but um, who do you who do you think like would be like a likely candidate to throw out the first pitch in a Marlins home playoff game if such a miraculous event occurs in 2023 Charlie Huff it has to be it has to be I mean he threw out the first pitch when the groundbreaking was happening I know he was there earlier this year you got to get him back and have him throw it to Benito Santiago. Like it's the 30th year of Marlins baseball. That is a meaningful figure to this team. It's a meaningful figure to this organization. That guy's got to be there. A secondary that I would say is the Mr. Marlon Isaac, not Haley Ramirez, Jeff Conine. Of course, he works for the team, so that would be a pretty easy one to get. But I would also say, like, if I had one choice, yes, Conine would be there. Um, you could bring back the only other two-time champion in Rick Helling to throw out a first pitch. Who knows where that guy, what that guy's doing these days? But for me, I would say Charlie Huff has got to be the, the one to throw out the first pitch in that situation. You know, it doesn't have to be guys like those, like Marlins. They can go with Dan Marino like they did in 2014. They can go on. with Dwayne Wade. That would be cool. You, you guys go to cater to the audience here. And like you said, a lot, a lot of them have watched every single Marlins game this year, much less in all 20 what all 30 years of franchise history you get to the audience here it's gonna be a hot event in south florida Wayne wade will be a much bigger draw than mr marlin in my humble opinion disagree but okay disagree 
Do you think Jeff Brown would be a bigger draw than Dwayne Wade? Oh, is it going to be a bigger draw? I don't care about the draw. And what's the, the number one goal? Sell out <laughs> well, so you're not worrying about the crowd. Like, it doesn't matter. You're not worrying about the crowd? The games are going to sell out. We just talked about it. The games are going to sell out anyways if they get back here. So, are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Marlins, Braves in the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, you don't think that's going to sell out? I think it'll be 30,000, 32,000 around there, like I said on the previous basis. But I think to say 100% it'll be a sellout is is a bit premature. Got to make know. it there, too, as well. Yeah, that's let's let everybody find out who's going yeah, to the first pitch. Here. We don't need to argue about this anymore, so we already talked about it. What's your question? I'm not hearing him. I'm just hearing that yeah, static I'm, noise. Whenever I hear nothing, I'm like afraid to talk now with what happened last week. He, he, we got him. Oh, no, here you go. I'm sorry. I got the silence on my end right now. It didn't happen the last two nights. But uh, I'm not hearing you guys. I'm just hearing myself talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> guys, it's a great time. Let's just... We, you know, the thing, the Phillies, most of the players are over 30. They got double. They got, what, a $200 million payroll. We have a $100 million payroll. So, you know what? Let's just go have fun. I mean, I don't care if we get smoked 20 to nothing because, you know what? The Mets are home tomorrow. 18 teams are home tomorrow. We're not. Don't you have a recap to write? I'm sorry? Yeah, we can still hear you, but I don't... I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm going in and out. I do apologize. Like I was saying, it's all about developing a a winning attitude. I mean, the Rays, they have a top five bottom payroll, and every year they're in it. And this year, can you imagine if they had the uh, the shortstop that got in trouble or whatever position, Wander Franco? They might even come, They might even come out of the American League with... American League doesn't, I mean, I guess Baltimore is looking good. Guys, let's just have fun. And we're talking about what the crowd's going to be in game three next week. Are, are we, are we, scared of, what are we doing? You know what? I agree. <laughs> I agree with this man 100%. You guys are focusing on the wrong thing here. I completely agree. With the, one, freeze. the one thing that scares me is I don't like Edward Cabrera pitching in a do or die match. <laughs> game three. Oh my God. Put him, listen, Skip knows more in his pinky than I do in my whole entire body, but I'd be like, give him, well, you don't want to lose game one either. I don't know. I, I don't want Edward Cabrera there, guys. I don't. I, he throw, he'll strike out five guys in a row. He'll walk five guys in a row. The kid's got all the talent in the world, but it just might not ever come together. So, you know what? Let's have fun Tuesday and, uh, I want to see when they're going to put the uh, tickets out because I live 650 miles away from Philadelphia here on Hillpet. I just might go, <laughs> okay? Get beaten up by Philly fans, but I hope there's about 300 Marlins fans there. And let's, you know, when those guys hear the Let's Go Marlins chant in New York or the Let's Go Marlins chant in Pittsburgh, they're like, that's motivation. They're proud. We show up. And if we somehow get through the Phillies and we play the Braves, that game three, especially if it falls on a weekend, that game will be sold out. It'll be 40% Braves, 
But you know what, guys? Tomorrow night we're playing. You know who's not? The New York Mets and the New York Yankees. Thank you, guys. I love y'all. Yeah, well, I, I agree it's not a perfect world to have um, Edward Cabrera pitch in a playoff game, but you know what? They have no other options. Uh, well, Ryan Rep is, is obviously unavailable. Ryan Hoeing did not have another good outing today. George Soriano did not look too good yesterday. So, yeah, it's, those are the three heads that they have. Those are the three stars they have. Johnny Cueto is an option. I would not be totally surprised if they, you know, Use both of those guys on, on in a potential game three do or die situations. So we shall see. But it, yeah, you, you said it with Cabrera. He can either he'll walk, he'll strike out ten guys, or he'll walk ten of them. So we'll see. I think Brendan. Yeah. I think Brendan is our last request, so he could get us out of here nice and tidy right around. Oh, we had a couple just jumping right in on the heels of him, so we may have a couple more right after. Already said it. You already said it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was on here last night. And we got into a little preview of Phillies Brewers, but I don't know about everyone else. Um, I'm ecstatic that we're getting the Phillies. I think we match up against them a lot better. Guys, this is a team we took the season series against. We went into Philly and took two out of three twice against them already. And yes, obviously, this is a very different Phillies team, but it's been, we've done it already this season. We have momentum. This is a Marlins team. The stat, you know, has kind of been everywhere the last week. What is it? Uh, I think most wins in the modern era, down three or more after the seventh inning. We have a bullpen. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm ecstatic as a Marlins fan. Uh, Grew up in New York, and I'm a Marlins fan, so finally having one over all these spoiled uh, Mets and Yankees fans is definitely great. And... I was in the Philly area during their run last year. This will be a tough environment. Um, Bo just said, can we get 300 Marlin fans? Uh, you'll probably have 15, and they will be berated by every Philly fan in the area. But, hey, I was there as a Giants fan when the Eagles ran them over. Bo, I'm willing. I'll, I'll meet you out there in Philly and take on the brunt of the Phillies fans with you. But... Jesus Lazaro's 3-0 against his Phillies team in his career. He's pitched really well. I mean, the thing that scares me is playoff baseball is a completely different animal. And yes, the hitting and offense has turned around in the last month. But like you guys were saying yesterday, playoff baseball is so much about home runs. And it's a lot harder to string together hits and get momentum like that. And that's the only thing that scares me about this lineup. While we do have arguably the greatest postseason hitter of all time, Jorge Soler, uh, that's going to be a treat to watch. And for anyone here who doesn't realize how special he is in the postseason, go look at his stats, see what he did for the Braves, and truly enjoy this moment. Um, I mean, the only postseason baseball we've seen was when they played the Cubs, and that doesn't really count in my mind. Um, It's going to be truly special. And for you guys, I know we've talked about it a lot the last two days, but what would be your three keys in order for the Marlins to take two out of these three against the Phillies? And specifically, is it, if it does go to a game three, what would kind of be your starter to bullpen kind of um, run you would like to see in order to take one in Philly? 
Man, I think it kind of ties together both of those ideas in terms of both the do or die game three and the overall strategy. Skip had a test with this on, I guess you could look at the clinching game, how aggressive he is with his bullpen and specifically the guys that he trusts the most at the back ends of that. What we've seen recently, I'm almost ready to add David Robertson to that same tier as Nardi and Scott, even though he's like a half step behind. But in terms of those are the three guys that I think should be pitching in any relatively close game during this series. You have the luxury because of the off days before, because of the off day afterwards, you have the luxury of using them each in all three of those games if necessary, and hopefully more than one inning at a time if necessary and appropriate in those situations. They just, whoever they put on the mounds initially at the start of game three, um, and however much confidence you have in Braxton and Lazardo, those guys are not going to finish the game all by themselves. So that bullpen is going to be absolutely crucial as it has been with so many of these other close games so far. And now that you're in this elimination setting with Skip being a rookie manager, he clearly has not been in this exact scenario before of having to understand what to do um, with games that you simply cannot afford to lose. And to me, that's going to be the main difference between postseason baseball and regular season baseball is that the relief pitching is a larger percentage of your workload by a big margin compared to the regular season. Those guys can have a much bigger influence on the way that the series goes. To make it just really overly simplistic, if you have Tanner Scott's two ERA and Nardi and Robertson right around three, like those guys are better on a per inning basis than even Lizardo or Braxton are if you feel that they are fully themselves entering the postseason as they seem to be. So to me, that is going to be huge if they, for throughout this series, especially if they make it to a do or die game three, is going to those guys really, really often. And the other big theme is just about home runs. Home runs are what sway so many of these playoff games. The caliber of pitching you're facing, you're just not able to string together hits. Um, and that's that's unfortunate for the Marlins because a lot of their offense this year has come from stringing together hits. They had the second highest batting average in the entire national league this year, but they were last in the national league at actually scoring runs. Those things don't correlate very well during the regular season. And they don't even, they don't really at all during the postseason either. You need to hit homers. Um, and that's what makes the Phillies a very intimidating team because from the very start of their lineup to the very bottom of the lineup, they have guys that can, can do that. So it's going to be about the willingness to, the necessity of having those guys swing at pitches outside the zone and be more tolerant of, of issuing walks. If it means that you're not going to give these guys hittable pitches in favorable counts, it's just, it's a different style of pitching and the Marlins as a whole, they have a lot. Uh, I want to finally just before handing over to somebody else, touch on what you said with Soler because you're not exaggerating. Jorge Soler is one of the best postseason hitters ever in his opportunities that he's had. He was there starting in 2014 and 2015 with the Cubs was the first time he made it in there. And then of course, most recently 2021 with the Braves. And then in between the 2016 world series run with the Cubs in the postseason, a 292 average, but a 418 on base percentage, a 692 slugging six home runs in only 26 games. It's an 1100 OPS. He is as good as any hitter on a per at bat basis in postseason history when he's had the opportunity, mainly because 
how often he gets to his power, how often he draws walks. For He doesn't need any extra motivation. He's going to be a pending free agent. He's going to opt out. This postseason run he had two years ago, that went a long way to really buffing up the contract that he got from the Marlins just two years ago. That postseason run, that World Series MVP, earned him millions and millions of dollars and at least one extra guaranteed year on top of his deal. So he knows the drill. He knows the situation that they're in. And this Marlins team, I don't know how different they are from that Braves team in 2021. If you remember, that Braves team in 2021 is not the juggernaut we see today. They were not a lock to make a deep run. And Solaire single-handedly had a very big impact on uh, getting them as far as he did and making a difference there. Fortunately, they have him healthy. Um, So really the last big question, the key to this is Arise, is simply Luis Arise being available and being close to himself. He only started, what, two of the final 11 games. They obviously didn't play him today. Um, he's We don't think he's going to be 100% in a couple of days. That this ankle sprain he has is significant enough that it would normally take a, multiple weeks to recover. It would take rehab games to fully be yourself again. And then it just takes time in order for him to play, to feel healthy enough to actually defend his position. So that's part of the game too, is finding a spot in the lineup if he's not going to be able to physically play second base or anything else, him being available is going to be really important. The the drop-off, all due respect to Xavier Edwards, to Garrett Hampson, uh, the drop-off from Arise to them is really noticeable. And I don't know if the Marlins can overcome that playing without him in this series. The other thing I'll mention historically for stats, because Eli was calling out stats for Soler in, in the playoffs, maybe this is why the Marlins kept Yuli Gurriel around. Um, because Yuli Gurriel is incredible in the playoffs. Very good, especially in the World Series. But this guy is really good in the playoffs. Like, the last time he was in the playoffs, he had six hits in the World Series. Like, maybe this is maybe this is a main reason why, on top of what he does in the clubhouse, but maybe this is a main reason why the Marlins kept around Gurriel. So I, w- I would say that the Marlins give him a chance, a chance at least, to make, a, uh, make an impact on the playoffs. So we'll see what they do with him. We'll finish this off with Marlins historian. I know he was trying to he was trying to come in the other night, and we were like two hours into it. And we shut him out, but yeah, finish this off with your thoughts. I'm sure you have some thoughts on Miggy as well. With this being the final game of final day of his career, what's ever on your minds? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and thanks Eli for letting me in here. But uh, just wanted to say some things real quick. Uh, I think everybody's been very sentimental over the last couple of days. It's been great. It's great to see everybody excited about baseball in South Florida for the first time in a long time. And I have a lot of parallels with like the Florida Panthers. Um, you know, we used to be old SB nation peeps and I covered the Panthers 10 years ago when they were in the doldrums, barely getting 10 K a night, same thing with the Marlins. And, and it took time, it took time and, and a lot of, a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to the point where the Panthers are now. And the Marlins have the same parallels. And I, this is just the beginning, and I want everybody to who's out there, the diehard fans, everybody in media coverage, you guys, um, official first, like you guys, just enjoy this ride, enjoy the beginning of this, because we hope that this is the beginning of a new era for Marlins baseball. And I know as much as anyone that it's been very difficult, but let's just enjoy this ride, however long it is, however long this particular ride is, and just appreciate the season and. You know, uh, as far as the Miguel Cabrera thing, I wish 
that he'd be going into the postseason with us, like a Udonis Haslam situation. But unfortunately, things didn't turn out the way they did. Ultra Universe Marlins have him right now. But uh, you know, one of the greatest hitters you know, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And, and I'm happy for the Detroit Tigers and all of them. That's that's where he belonged. That's that's his team. And, uh, and just happy for him. And we at least got a sliver of that. And it'll say Florida NL on the Hall of Fame plaque. So that that's at least a consolation prize for us Marlins fans. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the postseason, everybody. Enjoy the postseason. It's uh, a long time suffering. And uh, let's see if we can get to October 11th. That would be game three of the National League Division Series. And that that let's just hold out for hope just a little bit. right? The Panthers and the Heat kind of got things started. You never know. You never know. There might be one more miracle left here in South Florida. But uh, I just want everybody to enjoy the ride. And uh, let's just have some fun. Let's get wild. Go fish. Good way to end it. So I guess we'll go ahead and end it there. Wait, can everyone hear me? My, my mic wasn't going off for a second. You're good. You're good. You get, all right. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll end it here. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we usually announce the next time and date of State of the Fish when um, AirPods just tied mid-sentence. I'm just getting cooked by technology right now. But anyways, once the schedule comes out, we'll talk as a staff, figure it out. But anyways, we have a lot of content coming out this week. Hope you guys enjoy it and enjoy a Marlins playoff run. Go Fish. All right. Go Fish, my good guys. Go Fish. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go Fish.